0: Podcast, exploring the creative practice of contemporary photographers, and the bookmaking process. Coming to you from my Somerville, Massachusetts studio. I am Jason Smith, the creator and host of Got Punctum. Welcome, Mona. I am so excited to have you back to discuss your latest book, King's Road. Welcome to those joining us online and to those listening via our podcast, Punctum. I created this platform to share inspiration, resources, and challenges as ideas move into projects and evolve into book form. A note about our format, for those listening by podcast, you may access visuals by following the links in the episode notes that lead to a video of this conversation on my website. Visuals are also available on Mona's website and on the Steidl website, and of course, by purchasing Mona's book. Following our unscripted conversation, we have a question and answer session with our live live audience. We encourage our podcast listeners to join in our live online conversations when possible. Registration is available on my website and also on an Instagram link. I hope to engage and sustain an interactive dialogue on creativity. My work centers on concept development and isolating the dynamic elements of creative practice. As a curator, educator, and consultant, my medium is the creative practice. I am especially interested in how our own observations and awareness show up in our work. It is why I created my concept-aware framework. It is because I believe as visual creatives, we have a responsibility to explore how we see and why it matters. I believe in the power of the photograph to impact individual lives and to initiate positive social change. Mona, you are the rare person who has seamlessly blended your life and your art you explore essential questions and considerations via the medium of photography. It seems relationships and possibility are core issues inspiring your process, which is also a theme for my previous guest, Jess Dugan. Your cross-cultural multilingual experience and education have fine-tuned your sensory capacities to think outside possibility and to facilitate a visibility of relationship. Like a barometric instrument, you are calculating shifts in atmospheric pressure, light, and density. The alignment with your subject matter feels synergistic and it does not consist of dialogue or thought patterns it is more organic and sensory perhaps this ideology accounts for the freshness of your work each compilation is a new encounter with some repeat elements skin man-made structures nature in the wild or domesticated and always light Your work conveys the preciousness of our human experience. Living in a body, surrounded by an atmosphere, we live within nature. We are related to all creatures and elements that sustain us and make our lives feasible. King's Road feels like the orchestration of all the ways you see. Because what you photograph exists in real time and space, yet your images provide a portal to the invisible, the unspoken, a wish, a dream, to the fluid place of travel, to the past, and into the future. Utilizing space to transport us is also the job of an architect. Schindler, too, weaves art and light. His King's Road design layers relationship and builds community. Both of you draw inspiration from nature and repeated patterns. And you are both patient observers of those ephemeral moments when light is its own architecture. Music plays a role in how both of you see and respond. Schindler speaks of a symphony of rooms defined by shape and relation to each other. Arc, not a decorator, and not more a sculpture. Architecture, a new and independent art, and its material is space. That's a quote. (laughs) Didn't lead with that, but... Schindler and you see the connection between art and our humanity. He writes, and I quote, Art is work which makes us grow. It makes our senses more acute, and this growth inside makes us more human. End quote. And finally, Sylvia Perea notes your work, Mona, affirms the same. She writes about your ability to your work's ability, symbolizing endurance of human empathy. It's quote, beautiful. And in your words, also shared in the book, you say about your work, it is about celebrating the spirit that identifies the human in us. And I love that. So welcome back, Mona.
1: It's so wonderful to be here, Sibyla. I really, I always enjoy. I enjoyed very much our conversation last time, and I'm really looking forward uh, to share some of this work with the with with you and the people here today.
0: Thank you. It was so interesting to delve into King's Road, and and my first thought was how this began as a as a. I don't even know what to call it because. It, I don't know what started this, but it has just grown beyond, you know, a project to a book to an installation. It's very, very exciting. So reel us back and and how did this all start?
1: So I I live in Los Angeles. the The Schindler Rudolf Schindler was an immigrant from Austria. He came to uh, the U.S. to work with Frank Lloyd Wright. And lived in Los Angeles in many years. He built this house in 1920s. Finished building it in 1922. And when I moved to Los Angeles, uh, someone, a friend of mine said, how have you been to the Schindler House? It's uh, used nowadays as a a small center for the arts or so, where various artists can have a little bit of an installation there. And I entered the house in between those installations so the house was pretty much empty i entered the house and i felt an incredible familiarity with it um something about the space something about the the format of the architecture the elements of it spoke to me but in a really really deep manner and Mm -hmm. i didn't know why so in a way that was very much the beginning of this journey For me to understand more why what is it in me that is recognizing some echoes of time or some conversations still on the walls of this house? Mm -hmm. So I started um I started researching about it. There is a one of the largest um architectural research centers is here in the West Coast, is in the university. Of California in Santa Barbara and the Schindler archive is the largest archive within the architectural archives. So I was able to spend some time there. Uh, First they would bring me a lot of things that were already shown and shared with the world, like the the blueprints, materials that were made for the world. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of things to be to learn from this house uh it was a it was a very experimental house uh it was the very first house that was built with you know it's considered in the architectural world to be the very first mid-century house ever to be built the walls were built in a way like like a body so if you think of ourselves you know in our back we have our strength in our back uh The outside walls of the house are made out of um, concrete Mm -hmm. and all of the inner, inner segments of the house were based on a lot of Japanese influence that was coming back. He worked with Frank Lloyd Wright. So Frank Lloyd at the time was at at the Palace Hotel in Tokyo. So this is the first house where they implemented a lot of those influences like sliding doors which is very Japanese but this is the first house ever in the U.S. to have a sliding door and the door is out of canvas and the glass is clear as mm-hmm. if your back is the cement holding you together and the front of your body your your chest is open and clear mm-hmm. but it was all soft elements on the on the cent on the front of the house every single room was built in that way so I think now looking back in time, I think that the language of existence that he put into his architecture really had some parallels with things that I deal with in my work. Like there is a lot of references to the body, the way the cement was poured and and come closer together. I was looking at elements of the house where I would see wrinkles or... He also wanted at the time to have exposed wood, nothing painted, only materials as they are. Uh, He came from the Adolf Loos school that said that, uh, Adolf Loos was very famous for saying that decoration is poison. So nothing, it was anti-decoration. Everything was as is. There was a bareness to it that spoke to me right away. Um, But so the the beams of redwood, started looking like veins. You could see the veins of the tree in it. So like nothing was touched. Everything was very much um, exposed and very bare. The fireplace was on the ground as if it was a cave. Mm-hmm. So it was very, very distilled uh, forms in this house that Schindler at the time was experimenting with that I, I like what you said. I mean, th- those, those, that does inform and there are parallels on some basic foundation of my work that has repeated itself in, in, in various series of mine.
0: Yeah. It's so interesting. My gosh. Thank you for saying all of that and, and further making me dive into it because I, I took the quote about the strong back and the open heart when he was talking about architecture and I am, I am a, like a, fire is so important fireplaces inside outside and there are seven to me fireplaces are so important but what you're talking about is yeah uh, originally and this is what's so much fun to talk and learn I was thinking that your imagination got ignited by some of the things we'll talk about what you found in the archives but honestly what so initially so I'm thinking like When you describe walking in and hearing things that were written on the wall, I feel like you're picking up Rudolph and how he thought and saw, like, completely. Like, you go off into a tangent with this on some level because of some other things. We'll unpack that. But the foundational synergy between how you see and what he was trying to do um, is fascinating
1: a museum and you might not even know the artist, you might not even know the title of the painting or so, but you look at it and something in the painting resonates so strong with you that you feel this total identification. Like you feel as you think the artist might have felt when they just finished the piece. Mm -hmm. Like that emotion or that intention of the artist comes crystal clear into you and you have that aha moment. So Tom, oh, sorry. I had in the it's an error. The, so I had the first time. It was the first time for me that I had a uh, that that aha moment with an artist that I never met, but not just by looking at a two D painting, but by actually entering a three D environment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, but but I didn't know why. Right? It was the first and time that, that I had this, this kind of uh, connection. So. It was very helpful to do to do research and and learn more about it uh, at the at the archives. And it was also it's I love that you have this this uh, spread up because very important for me on the research was to go beyond the materials that were presented to the public and really go into the unpublished material mm-hmm. and correspondence and handwritten. For example, the note on the left that you have there. Mm -hmm. is part of the notes that he would keep on his pocket um he would write little he would write into his own personal little annotation booklet before actually writing his lectures which then would be talked about so these are just his raw pure Mm -hmm. thoughts unedited like the the man behind the architect the, the 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 thoughts before that maybe they were not even meant to be shared that way. It was just personally for himself a reminder.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. He. I'm going to go to the next slide. This was the quote that I didn't put the quotation marks around, but just his thoughts. And then this layout of the house, which the only other piece I think was interesting that I learned is he was designing it with his own family, which was just he, his wife, and one child at that point, I think, and another family, and how could they have a communal space, so end uh, individual private space, and, and really brought in the, the Louis Kahn idea of the courtyard being a living space, right. and how do you build on, on all of those aspects, and, you know, it reminds me, of when we last spoke and talking about how you work with the people that you photograph as well as the environments and how much you get a sense, um, a sensory feel as you're moving through. So I do see all these correlations of how you think I had one question, which is when did you go in and have that aha moment? Like how long ago was that when you first,
1: well, that was maybe eight years ago. It was okay. quite yeah. a long time. It took me some time, of course, to do the research. Mm-hmm. It took me some time to have permission to photograph because the house is used for uh, other installations. So I had to photograph whenever things would be emptied. Mm-hmm. Uh, then it took me a long time to to, uh, to to have permission to bring a person in and photograph the person. that person. That took the longest time. Mm-hmm. And then, of mm-hmm. course, we got hit by the pandemic. So I think that it was about about eight years ago. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I was also able to continue working. And maybe it's good to to, to mention the letter which I found. But that's what I was going to say. Yeah, this other piece. Yeah, yeah. So is- I found. I still didn't know necessarily. I'm not an architect, so I. I am a researcher. I do enjoy art history. Many times I'm at the Getty Research Institute researching something that has nothing to do with my work. I'm just a very curious person and uh, enjoy my time surrounded by the arts. Mm -hmm. Some of it may translate into my work and some of it may not, but that's how I uh, learn. So Mm -hmm. I was really in these archives, architectural archives, really not really understanding how am I going to translate that necessarily into photography? But I was of course trying to. So I was looking at more and more delicate uh, sides of the archive and I ran into a love letter, uh, more um, better defined a breakup letter. But, but this, but this breakup letter was signed, it's signed by him. It doesn't have a name. So it, there is a mystery about who this person was. I have talked to various scholars from Schindler. He has had, you know, at the time in the 1920s, uh, he has had various, th- there has been information about various, maybe lovers, he was married. There was a, you know, it was a different kind of time. It was a lot more bohemian mm-hmm. and accepted as well. And the, this one does not have a name and the scholars cannot trace specifically to anyone which gave me the freedom to create that person. Mm. Now, the reason I like very much this letter and why it really opened the path for me to move forward creatively is because I believe it has elements of self-reference to the letter itself. For example, it starts, your dreams will never, like so many, meet reality. And then it jumps, the world is endlessly big. And life rich without bottom, you will find your treasures without me. So when I saw this letter, which is a small little letter, it's small, it's it's smaller than an 8 by 10 piece of paper. I just thought it was the most precious thing. I also thought it was very Shakespearean. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that these two people, there were something important. Uh, they wanted to be together. I felt a certain warmth, but the moment in time was not right. And there was an impossibility of the moment. Um, Also, Schindler has, if you do study the architect more in depth, you realize that he was uh, underappreciated during during his time. So this first sentence, your dreams will never, like so many, meet reality. Mm. I started Mm. thinking, is he talking about himself? Is he, of course, sending this letter to this person? But... Is this, is this also about himself? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I uh, reached out to a friend of mine uh, that I have worked with her before in the past. So she's very comfortable with me working. She knows where, you know, there's a certain spontaneity in how we work. She knows mm-hmm. that I will not uh, use the work in any way that she doesn't trust it to be. So we can work uh, faster and, and, and more relaxed with each other. And it just so happened that she also is uh, was finishing her PhD in psychology. So we watch, So she came over. We had permission to photograph in the house, and we would talk about it. We would imagine this person. It was really interesting for me to bring those two bodies together. So the house as a body as a remain, remaining of Schindler, his handwritings as as traces of what his body left mm-hmm. uh, most of the records that i brought into the series have been handwritten on, with a pencil with carbon and the images of the house i have photographed as if i was as if it was my first impression when i was first in there instead of having a architectural understanding uh, or visual language i really use more of an emotional Visual language uh, mm-hmm. of the the feelings as you're passing by or the peripheral vision or how you're perceiving space. He was an art, arch- he was the first architect to first imagine the space and then put walls around it. So mm-hmm. that was his he is known for having that concept. And I also photographed this woman that I wanted to bring into the story. And the way for me to have her cross, you know, enter the house, which was maybe not possible during the time that they were alive. Mm. Uh, I wanted her to cross space, enter his space, but I also needed her to cross time. The house was built in nineteen twenty twenty two. 22. So a wonderful way for me to bring all of that together was to use solarization, mm-hmm. which is a experimental darkroom technique of that time done by the photosurrealist. Um, and is a beautiful process that is very hard to get, but when you get it right, it's, it's stunning because parts of the uh, g- gelatin silver print, parts of the silver renders as we know it to be uh, in this case with the skin or, or or her face and parts of it dematerialize itself. It oxidizes in unpredictable ways mm-hmm. uh, and that is what uh, visually speaking gave me the semantics of talking about crossing a certain realm mm-hmm. from going from one to another realm um, so That while photographing, I was photographing with her in this house maybe for a week or so. um, We also were having very, you know, metaphysical kind of conversations. I was interpreting the house in different ways. I wanted to photograph shafts of light coming in. I wanted to photograph uh, in ways that um, highlights look like they're floating around. Mm -hmm. Uh, I did not want her to be a ghost, Um, Mm -hmm. to be a person that crosses time and space. Mm -hmm. But I wanted the light in the house to be more metaphysical, to approach. Mm -hmm. If if there is any ghost, the ghost is more in the light than in the person. Mm
0: -hmm. Wow. What's so wonderful is as you describe your process, it is so organic. That's why I said that. And very sensory. It is not a thought process. You're not going in with a thought process. You're going in with a feeling process. And it's so interesting because you've already described just from what you said, two very clear portals that you stepped through in your own thinking and And I want to say as a viewer receiving your work, I think that's why I encounter them as portals because you've opened doors and then I'm allowed to go in. And, uh, like the whole idea of the use of solarization, um, you know, it brings me back, um, at when Bloomfeld, I'm thinking of, um, Lillian Bassman, how she could just, uh, you know utilize this as well as how she utilized uh, her relationship with her models and you're echoing you are crossing time and taking those people who were so powerful there's also a very european connection all the people i'm speaking of came from uh, other countries to this country right. and at that time um so there's a lot of synergy and the images i'm showing i it was hard I I try because this is more of a talking uh conversation than necessarily looking at a visual and and unpacking it specifically I just want to give a flavor um but it was it was a challenge to limit and so I do I only have maybe 10 images if that but, but the, I but
1: yeah, yeah um, it's interesting is it's interesting your comment on the, uh, the the organic sense I have um I have always uh, use a, a certain philosophy in mm-hmm. the way I work, uh, but also in my life, in my marriage, uh, raising my child. Like I have always allowed the heart to move forward freely, and then and then I use the intellect to fix what the heart might has might have messed along the way. So, in a way, I, I try not to put intellectualism on the forefront because I find that limiting. Mm-hmm. So what I have done is I enjoy in the creative, bringing that philosophy in, precisely into the creative process. I try not to limit myself and I really try to tap into unconscious. I really try to embrace unknown. I don't mm-hmm. want to dictate where I'm going. Mm-hmm. I want to be very open to unknowns and I want to photograph freely and I want to create freely. And then I do, however, at some point use just like the house had the backing of the cement walls while we had a very open front. I do then use later on on the editing. I bring in the intellect and I fix and I make sequences and suddenly the story has a flow and I eliminate things that were unnecessary or that are no longer part of that um, visual poetry. So I think you need to use both for me. the the best format has been to let the heart run Mm -hmm. through the door and let it run and let it do what it needs to do. And the mind will take care of the rest. That is so quotable and so good and
0: actually really, really evident. I mean, that's where that whole idea when I was trying to um, talk about you at the introduction is this openness to possibility. You feel it you know, and you wait for it, which I really appreciate. And you do that with your eye and what you capture, but you're bringing in the relationship aspect and how you, how do you relate? You are asking these big questions, right? And you're open in a way that, um, I, I love the way you're I think it's a courageous choice and I hope it inspires a lot of people because it actually makes more impactful work. It is so strong. It's just like that building, right? Where the concrete is there and so is the expanse. Like you have to ground and expand, um, but
1: you have to use yourself as an instrument, um, which- Well, the mother, the it's very interesting because this person that I photograph. Uh, I was talking to her over the weekend and she shared the book with her mother. Um, They're back in France. She's a French friend of mine. Mm -hmm. And she, and, and, and her mother said, it's so wonderful. I mean, you know, they were being complimentary because they were talking to me, but she said, it's so wonderful to see what Mona has done because she had the courage to be herself. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Well, interesting. You had the courage to be yourself
1: and so did the model you worked with. And Exactly. Yeah. Both, right? To get, together, we had the courage to be ourselves and to really allow to interpret the story. I also had, of course, the, crea- uh, the artistic freedom mm-hmm. given to me by the archives, mm-hmm. uh, where they said, it's okay for you to uh, have your own artistic interpretation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did not photograph this house as a way of documenting an architectural masterpiece. Mm-hmm. I really, I really had the freedom to bring a living layer to architecture, which is rare. Mm-hmm. And I had the freedom to uh, to wander, really, mm-hmm. mentally and physically.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love one of his notes because he he puts in wonder he spells it w-u-n-d-e-r which I loved but yeah to to do that and I think um not having preconceived notions of how to photograph the house not having the the directive to be documentary you really did what he so wanted anyone in the structure to do which is kind of breathe with it to to to
1: live with it, uh, to respond right. to it. Right. Um, but also interesting because I do speak uh, German. I'm, I was... Thinking. Yeah. So the little mistake there, I also yeah. I also considered at first to be a little mistake because wander, we're physically wandering around, right? Mm-hmm. And we are in our thoughts. It can also be said that way. But Wunder, which was the little possibly a, a unconscious mistake of his, in German Wunder, Wunder, is uh, it kind of enters a little bit more the, the metaphysical idea of wandering with your thoughts into things you cannot explain. Perfect. So it kind of even goes further into that direction. So I just said how wunderbar it was <laughs> that he made, you know, we, it, it's questionable if it was intentional or not, as it was not, notations for himself. So yeah. I myself have annotations sometimes where I'm trying to say something to me that I want to remember. And I and I write sometimes in, you know, I also have a Portuguese background. So sometimes yeah. sometimes the wording Portuguese is a, a lot more precise. Yeah, and my yeah. sentences have, you know, a little bit of of German, a little bit of English, a little bit of uh Portuguese at times. It's really a mm-hmm. mess. Mm-hmm. I, I, I do not use self-correct because I actually want it to be written the way I want it. I'm in control of it.
0: Good for you. And it's true about words that are not translatable. Um, And I thought too, because you have some of his notes written in German that you could, you know, I could say like, okay, tell me, what does it say here?
1: But which was fine. I like that there's, there's not. The image that you have here on the left Mm -hmm. is, uh, um, is of the, this very, early like sliding doors Mm -hmm. and he basically just in this case is shut I'm inside and I'm photographing shut with the sun coming in so it almost has this temple like it's a canvas structure so it's very Japanese it's very vulnerable in a sense Mm -hmm.
0: it's actually very meditative and also um, the presence on the other side is powerful somehow you get that even though it's exactly. not quite clear, right? That exactly. that's there, yeah. So that I'm, I'm, I'm loving that the book was, um, giving me these essays too that kind of rolled around thinking about what you had done, and I, I loved this quote. I actually loved the name of the essay that David Dornbaum called it, "The Ghost's Open House." Yes. And he talks here. He says, "Passing the absoluteness." of the image they have passed beyond the limit that separates time and space. Right, uh, I
1: right. Beautiful, and, in, and frankly- Working with David was also quite amazing because David, um, you know, Silvia Perea, she's the curator of mm-hmm. the architectural uh, archives as well as the museum at UCSB. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, and, and her text is, you know, we spend so much time and her text is fantastic. We spend mm-hmm. a lot of time talking. And David Doringbaum, it's uh, a dear friend that I connected with for this uh, work because he is in uh, a whole other level of relationship. Uh, he is very much into psychoanalysis mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. unconscious mm-hmm. and spectral and existence. Yes. So yep. his, his text, it, it was the first time that I was able to work with someone that brings in a different perspective than a art, you know, an art curator. He brings in a an, an interdisciplinary, mm-hmm. very aware of art. has has written for various uh, wonderful artists, and he was really able to bring those two things together in his text. Absolutely, it's
0: interesting. I'll put a, a link to it in our resources. Because what I feel like you did is you 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 do what novelists do, and it's called historical fiction. You took threads and then wove your own story. Um and yes. I yeah, and I love the way that um he spoke about the work. It, it was really interesting because each of your essays speak about you as well as the work as well as Schindler. And I think that, you know, and of course the, it gets into the existential or the metaphysical. I think that's all, all yeah. a part of it.
1: Yeah. And it, I, I, you're very right to say that. I, I agree with you. And also talks about um, our medium of photography, right? Photography uh, pre-1920s was about a document, was about a record, was about, uh, was used, uh, for documentation mm-hmm. and it, it was coincidentally it was with the photo surrealists in paris when other artists were looking oh it's it's experimental is accidental you cannot control solarization uh, oh there is a mac line. it looks like you are sketching with oxidized silver maybe photography could be art so that is the moment where the pendulum in 1920s is when that dialogue also starts opening in photography, mm-hmm. so the relationship that we have with record keeping, with uh, uh, versus the using photography into the more imaginative mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. more artistic way that the medium also offers That's so fun to weave that in and
0: kind of echo it. Or amplify it, you know, have it reverberate, um, right. and I love one of the things that David says is that you are under the spell of your own vision, well, yeah <laughs> what what a treat, right that is that is the pinnacle that's where you want to be and and I love that that's why I was so excited to dive into this book and to see what you did and how everything else you've done makes you ready for this. Like, that's why I asked, when did you walk in? Because I think of some of your other work in the desert, um, uh, just how you have always been attuned to this relationship between structure and body. And, you know, this, you know, it's like, isn't there a saying about the teacher shows up when the student is ready or something like that, but this feels like that for you, that this let your considered career and time that you have evolved to be able to, to meet this in a certain place. I think that's what's so palpable. You're coming to it confidently uh courageously but not at all with control or with any sense of actually knowing what you're going to to do or
1: find right yeah, yeah. you know like it, it's also um it's really interesting sometimes when the artist can share things that go like deep 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 inside um mm-hmm. or our thoughts when we're doing work one of my mm-hmm. deepest inspirations for the previous work that I did at uh, the at, at house outside in the desert. It was a glass house with mirrors. And to me, I really wanted to address a little bit the light artists in, uh, in, in the Southern California. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to me, it was all about the figure refracting. It was about refracting. It was about our existence in time and at times confusion because we feel so refracted with so much technology around us and so on. So I wanted I used that element a little bit to um, to answer personal questions that I was having about my own existence at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it all came together and matured itself that way. Mm-hmm. While this body of work is complete, it's to me it's it's yet another another conversation in which now it's not so much about the figure or us feeling refracted, um, but it's really about that idea of crossing realms. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, I think that is what the side guys at the moment the are larger conversations in multiple disciplines mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and it, it is something that i was able to apply specifically for this work but it is a, a broader idea that lingers that is part of uh, my thoughts that's uh, so
0: where or when okay now you're making me think of two things at the same time and i'm trying to write so um <laughs> um, so I don't forget, but um when when did you
1: realize the larger question? um, I think all of those larger questions I enjoy them, I like them, and i and I keep trying to answer them, you know, it's like a mantra, yeah, but you know, I mean it's like what, mantra it is a meant is a personal kind of mantra, personal. Conversation. I mean, what are we doing here? How long does it last? Mm -hmm. What are we doing here? How much time do we have? What can we do with it? There's a certain sense of urgency that I have had existentially in my own thoughts that I think have brought me to photography because it's fast. It's I I feel restless. I don't know. I don't know Mm -hmm. how long we have here. So I kinda need to have a medium that can respond quickly. That's so cool, but
0: in this particular project, so let's say that eight years from walking in, having this, knowing there's writing on the wall that you want to uh, explore and kind of get the hieroglyphics, it all gets layered and layered and layered. I was wondering where in the process of King's Road do you have that aha moment of, oh, I am coming from this level of metaphysical or i'm i'm letting go of necessarily the body and thinking so much more about space or time and place right i, I was wondering when that settled into your awareness yeah. on this particular project yeah i think i had that the very first
1: moment i entered the house ah okay so from then, the beginning mm-hmm. yeah and then and then there was many things in the house that made me feel very familiar very connected to it Mm -hmm. and then it was more of a bang it was more of a bang and then slowly I unraveled how can I translate that into photography how can I bring that into the the fiction that you mentioned and how do I bring the story and how do I translate that to visuals Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well it's so interesting It it was more about like like feeling it right away, and then later on try to solve it with tools Mm -hmm. that we have at our disposal. Mm -hmm, mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, no, that's so important. Here's an interesting thing, and I'm stuck on this one image, which has three screens, and you're obviously outside photographing in. Um, What I found interesting about this particular image is that if that were glass, and the shadow of the trees that are above the courtyard that you're standing in let the light into the space, we'd be looking at the space. But what happens, because these are screens, is this is reflected back, and it's almost like a reflection back to the questions you were asking, this idea of you in space and just such larger forces, right? In the last image we saw was the sun behind those screens and you get a sense of power, but you don't, you know, that's, it's, 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 it's Wunder, right? It's the, it's the, I don't know how to talk about this. I don't have words for this. And this, these three screens catch looking up. I mean, and how often, I mean, besides the fact there's a movie about this, how often do we actually look up, right? And this idea is this doesn't let us look into that space and be curious individuals thinking on a people level. This stops that, reflects something that's way bigger than us um, and a lot more unknown um, and and reflective. So uh, that's why this one just was really... Pow- and, like a powerful one for me
1: i really like what you just mentioned and also there was in a way a couple of um you know when we translated this um into then the the installation we brought yeah. some, of the, some of those ideas into the screens i don't know if we're gonna get into it but yeah I just because you pointed to exactly that image mm-hmm. uh there was a little bit of a seed that brought into the that, that started a communication on how to present the work. We didn't want to present as photography framed on the wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also wanted to have the same emotions that you convey about the reflections mm-hmm. of the three onto those panels and then back at us. We, bo- we wanted the viewer to have a similar experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And like you said before, of the image before that, the temple or this idea. Right. Um, so yes, I want to talk about the installation and how that grew. And you, I think you collaborated with your husband on that. Yes,
1: you know, so my for husband, the music. Yeah, Boris Alcho is a composer. Uh, he has done. We have this is our second, mm-hmm. um, our second installation collaboration, mm-hmm. collaboration. Mm-hmm. and it's really quite amazing to bring music into it in addition to the images because uh, music just has that incredible power of bringing people inside themselves
0: Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. now the image that you have here is a transitional image is one of the early images in in the book in the series and to me it shows her showing up and actually we still see her on the left side to you know uh Four fifths of this image, it's still rendered as a black and white photograph. Mm -hmm. While she's just about to cross into a different realm.
0: Yeah, I thought that was wonderful. And so, how, in terms of process, would you do that?
1: Well, you know, I photographed all of it. I always photographed with a Hasselblad. Mm -hmm. Um, The analog Hasselblad is always square. The digital hazelblad is always rectangle. So all of my rectangle works. You can tell it's it, you can assume it's a digital hazablad mm-hmm. But then from those files, I photograph a lot. From those files, I edit it. And mm-hmm. this image editing down, I then transfer into a process of doing an internag, an 8x10 mm-hmm. interneg, and mm-hmm. then brought that internag into the darkroom. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then I played with uh, the solarization, which was not easy. is very hard. Uh, the materials are different than back then. Um, the chemicals are different. The paper is different. The, I spent some time, I, I, I was very lucky to have a moment with Virginia Hackard, uh, the curator at the Getty Museum, mm-hmm. uh, which is not far from where I live. And she said, why don't you stop by, come on in and take a look at the sola- solarizations that we have here. And I learned a lot when I did that. But the first thing that I learned is that in history of photography, we have um, a huge archive of various moments of mm-hmm. photography. When it comes to solarization, it's a very, very skinny archive. Because mm-hmm. it's a very experimental process. Because a, there's a lot of wasted paper. There's a lot of prints that go nowhere. I, I like this analogy of uh, doing a souffle. And, and you see it growing inside the oven and it looks beautiful and every, and it looks like it's ready. And you open the oven and you take the tray out and the whole thing collapses. So that's basically what solarization mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in the day, uh, Ben Ray and Irvin Blumenfeld, they mm-hmm. had commercial studios. They had money. They had budgets. They were able to use a very wasteful process. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The, you know, Man Ray had a studio in New York and in Paris. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so there was there was a certain th- there were funds to place mm. into the process. Um, in my case, I had less funds, and I had and and I was getting nervous about the process. And in the first few days, nothing was really happening. I was working ten hours in the darkroom, and nothing was coming out until finally, you know, I think on day day five Mm -hmm. started getting some results and I started, you know, for me it was also learning how to walk again. I am, Mm -hmm. I am a good printer. I have a lot of experience in the darkroom back in the days. I no longer have a darkroom. I had to rent a darkroom to do those solarizations here in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it was a very humble way of learning how to walk again. Mm -hmm. So interesting. And I'm not going to go, I'm not an expert on
0: solarization, but the historical fiction book uh, that I will allude to was literally talking about Man Ray's uh, use of it, but also Lee Miller's hand in that. And that oh, yes. Lee Miller uh, really could be the considered the mother of that. Um, and that it was literally, uh, that it happened because of an
1: really an accident. Right. Uh, so so the scholars I think know. Now it's more known among the scholars that it was a little, you know, Lee Miller was a muse for, for, for various artists at the time. She was also a lover of Man Ray. She was also a photographer on her own. And it was apparently was a little accident in the darkroom that created this effect. Mm-hmm. Um, so she, mm-hmm. I think she opened the door. Yeah. And yeah. And then, and then we do have more works than, and, you know, Man Ray took, took on with it. He was able to be industrious with mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. I thought it was
0: interesting because the way you used this uh, love letter um, and how that opened up everything, this historical fiction novel, did the same with... Um, the the love story between Man Ray and um, Lee Miller. And I actually interviewed the author at a guest talk. And when I was reading the fiction, I couldn't believe her command of photography. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. I was like, okay, wait. And it turned out that she has an extensive history and experience. And it was just so funny because it came through in the in the book. Um, but I do want you to touch on the, the installation and translating, um, when things are, for me, it sounded like you were saying that music gave you another avenue, another vantage point. You talked about music, letting people enter themselves. Um, and I also think, I, I always think about music, um, you know it's very hard to capture something that our profound human experiences grief and and right and music brings us there right it It's talk about semantics so how tell us how you it must have been was this something that um you had thought of all along? I, Sylvia might have thought about that as the curator. How did that coming together? Well-
1: Well, so I was working on the photos. I was actually at the moment where I was putting the book together and I was editing the sequences and I asked Sylvia uh, to come to the studio and take a look at the book. So I was very much still into my photographic frame of mind, the way I know how to do it. You know, I have 25 years of experience having um, exhibitions all over so the the perfect print framed perfectly on the wall with the perfect lighting and Sylvia also asked me to come to the museum. She already knew that she wanted to do an exhibition with me with this material mm-hmm. uh, and while walking in the exhibition in the museum gallery uh, i she asked me, "How would you see your work in this in this space?" And I said, "Wow, this is a very large uh part of the museum." Uh, I'm very honored that you're thinking about this area. I I think I would imagine large prints or so. And um and then I asked her, How do you show architectural works? Because she's an architectural curator. Uh, and I haven't been really so familiar with the mm. architectural exhibitions. And she said, Well, usually we have the the the, the architectural Drawing on the wall and images of the construction and then the lifestyle and, 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 and so on. And she paused for a moment and she said, and she sighed and she said, ah, I would like to do something different. And I also looked at her and I also sighed and I also said, you know, I would also like to do something different. And we started a completely new conversation, which wasn't necessarily about the work as we know it to be, it wasn't about anymore about photography the the way it has been shown. And it wasn't about architecture the way it has been shown. So we really wanted to also cross into a different realm of how to present this work in terms of museum installation, really take a bold step forward. Mm -hmm. Always keeping in mind and continuing to be loyal to the Idea of space architecture Mm -hmm. that is the concept of Rudolf Schindler. So, we created these screens that were placed in the room, not connected to the walls. Mm -hmm. And we had projectors. So, I we projected all those images projected are stills, but they're in motion, they're moving. I did not want to have a slideshow, Mm -hmm. I have seen choreographed. Synchronized slide shows, uh, and I think that we have done that. So I wanted to bring in a, a, use a different software that makes it sm- more smoother transitions that were more emotional, more in line with uh, the work that I have done, mm-hmm. and but show motion. And then we also added two moments where there is a a, a very minimalist um, kind of animation that we bring into the 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 projected uh, um, works visuals, and we also had uh Boris and I worked on the music. I sat next to him it was like an incredible pleasure to be to work with a composer. I was sitting next to him, saying, "Oh, it feels a little too con the the, the sounds feel contrast to me, or the sounds feel bright to me and he will then understanding photography, he was able to translate those concepts into. He knew exactly what I meant, but I just didn't have the musical vocabulary, mm-hmm. and he was able to translate into music, and it that was really interesting. We wanted the we wanted there to be a certain suspense. Mm-hmm. we wanted there to be a certain nostalgia, a certain grief, but also a bit sublime.
0: Wow, those are wonderful. okay, I gotta get it sublime grief and what was the other sublime grief um that's great well, that our,
1: sense of mystery
0: or mystery. Suspense. yeah it was suspense. suspense it was suspense because yeah which is was interesting as I was reading the essays I just kept taking w- like one word or just like what you did where you summed it up and said there's suspense it's sublime it's grief like after I read the essays I'm like okay all I have are a bunch of words <laughs> Like I have to go back and think about this, but it's true. It's how you, how you, that's why I felt the orchestration and it was really interesting knowing about the installation and that your husband was composing. And then it reverberates back to him and Schindler saying that that's a symphony when he's describing his own work. So I thought there was such synergy and we, Um, We'll open up shortly for questions, but I loved that Sylvia got this component of how you think, because it's so true, that why you're so adept at um, photographing nudes in this way that is just um, incredibly uh, respectful, sensual, uh, timeless. But individual, all at the same time. Um, when you were quoted in her piece from an interview that she had done, where you say undressing is a means to bind us back together, right? Which I love and brings us back to that quality of how your work and End Schindler's work had a component of art humanizing us or art being a wonderful, not only a part of who we are, but the glue that holds us together. Right. Yeah. So I love that you were, were able to be, that thought was able
1: to be captured for you. Right. Um, well, to me, the body has always been a little bit of a miracle, right? Mm. How do we explain, how do we explain that, the, the- In in medicine, Mm -hmm. like doctors don't know how to explain how this, the the perfection in the sense of the functionality, Mm -hmm. like the blood flowing, carrying oxygen, carrying, carrying, uh, you know, various enzymes and proteins and all this. Like, how do we explain it? To me, that is the ultimate metaphysical question. Yeah. Yeah. So there is a miracle to it. And sometimes... Uh, science is always science. Can go so far, and and explains quite a lot. And after a certain point, uh, there's no explanation. Mm-hmm. And I think I I like I like that point. I like the point where where science and the unknown they speak to each other, and we try to make some sense of who who it is that we are and how it's doing and, and being extremely grateful for life. Yes. Yes. Which
0: is what I was referring to when I said, you give us this awareness of the preciousness um, so of life. Um, right. And I think that's interesting because the quote that when you read, what Schindler said about maybe our dreams aren't going to become a reality, but the world is very big, right? There's right. possibility right. is, There's is so always many here. Yeah.
1: I'm there going to... Coming, coming, you know, uh, uh, philosophically speaking, also yeah. in an architectural manner, coming from where he was, that uh, he didn't want to decorate things, right? Everything very basic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in a way, in a way, the bareness of a soul like the bareness of the individual. Like, that's what I meant, that it binds us back together. We're not distracted by materialism. We're not distracted Mm -hmm. by uh, other things, Mm -hmm. just Mm -hmm. existence. Mm
0: -hmm. Wow, yeah. Um, Yes. And I think I... uh, I went into looking into Louis Kahn, as an architect friend had mentioned, uh, because that was a contemporary of Schindler. And it was at that time where architecture was being seen to impact us and take on these larger questions um, and that everything was living and also experienced. Like literally, what is the first thing you touch coming into a house? What is the sensation of that? so I love that this was just echoed by you in your, in your right. using the tools of photography. Um, this, I think, because I love to draw the naked body. And I've been in uh, several classes of watching models just take these positions and then being able to to try to capture it and I about had a heart attack with this image. It was just
1: <laughs> absolutely stunning. Well stunning. in a way it's also in a way it's also that like the classic stool yeah uh, in a in a studio or so yeah house. But um it was a moment where she was just uh waiting for me to do something. Um and so I photographed but also it shows those slides. So You see, behind you have those segments of concrete wall. And this is the first house that was built in a, the the wall that was built in a ready-made. It was the Mm -hmm. first step for a ready-made. So they would pour the concrete actually in a form on the ground. Mm -hmm. And they would raise it up as segments. And in between the segments, they would put glass. So that, that is why those windows are so thin and rectangular. Mm-hmm. And those sleds of light do beautiful, incredible things. Um, I was in the house um in the very, very early in the morning. I was able to be in the house at the end of the day, I was able to be there in various seasons. Mm. And I also have to tell you that it was quite amazing um because I was there in many hours that no one else was. The, there's a caretaker of the house, a gardener. And I would spend a lot of time with him because he knew exactly at two o'clock in the afternoon you need to be in this room. There's some magic that comes in because, but just in the autumn, not on the springtime. He mm-hmm. um, was fantastic mm-hmm. to. It was fantastic to see how what Schindler has built, how he has communicated with scholars, but also the common person how they understand what schindler was doing the basic elements that come together and speak to all of us
0: that's so incredible and i have to share this because it was profound but um when i moved from new york to boston um eric and i were involved with a group of artists that took a elevator factory and made it work live spaces. And it was a functioning elevator factory when we were in there trying to figure it out. And the people that worked there thought we were absolutely nuts. And I was all excited because there was this big machine and I'm like standing next to it and it's spewing out all these curly Q metal things and I'm collecting them and the few workers that were still there, they were moving the factory, luckily not shutting it down, were like, what are you gonna do with that? And I'm like, I don't know, but they're beautiful. I love right. these little slivers. And so they started to get to know those of us that would come in and and they thought we were unusual um, to picture living where they had worked for these years. However, what happened is the the elevators were massive and the door going out to the street was really huge and it was wooden and could move, but there were four or six panes of light. And um, I was walking around with a couple of them and on the floor, they had painted and they were following the light by the season and and were literally excited. It was when they painted on, I don't know whether it's the equinox or the solstice And they would know, it was almost like its own little stonehenge that they were figuring out when the light fell on the floor and they painted it. And I was like, how can we save this? Like, I literally wanted to, like, take out that slab of concrete and, like, not move it um, because I thought that was wonderful. So people have been engaging with light. sundial. Yes. Yes, it was. Exactly.
1: That's when you understand your that's when in a way you understand your place Mm -hmm. on earth in a relationship to planets. Yeah. So now we're talking, um, uh, now, now we're really entering a conversation, (laughs) which, which, which I love photography because photography is able to, to, to to work with the agent of light. Right. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. but, but I like maybe the idea that I'm molding light, you know, I don't work on the studio. I'm not interested so much into uh, making my own light. I am Mm -hmm. interested in, you know, I'm interested when I'm standing, it's a a very philosophical thing. When you're standing outside and you see your shadow, your shadow is with you your entire life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And your shadow exists because it's a relationship with a different planet. Mm -hmm. You Don't have like a relationship it. with that planet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The planet that those particles are touching you and are creating the shadow. You're blocking those particles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that that to me is 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 really really where you know to me that's where the nude comes in. I'm not in the nude as a show and tell. I'm in the nude as just like life, mm-hmm. very basic. Hmm. Hmm. I hear you, and I,
0: I uh, I enjoy actually, I like, started to take these shadow selfies. Um, it, frankly, it was at the hammer. I was at an installation and it was changing and, and all of a sudden the screen went white and I was projected, my outline was projected on the wall and, and, and it was comical for me. Like it was a startling, like, oh, and that started me photographing, shadows of myself and I I do it now but I've never thought of it quite like you just put it but I will I love that relationship let me um stop sharing the the few images and let's open up for uh, for questions
1: Sibylla in a way kind of the kind of thinking that I you know once in a while you go into um the kind of thinking shows in a way connects you with 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 the universe right Yes. But but it, it, but it's a really interesting symbiosis there because at the same time that connects you with the universe at times I feel oh my god my my best friend the sun or the planets or you know like I actually have a way of interacting even if it's just a proton but I am able to do something here, but but it also is puts you back into your own place right you're minuscule how you're such a, a speck of dust out there Mm -hmm. so so that but you don't have to you could Mm -hmm. be standing tall and firm and create a very long beautiful shadow if you want to so i think that 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 is the 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 two the 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 nuances that i find really interesting
0: i i would call it the tension of the opposites and i would say even what you were talking about we are dust but if you think of it stardust right so there's this sharing of Of matter um, and how do we hold the fact that we are absolutely minuscule but we are also related to that magnificence or right yeah 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 I hear (laughs) you yeah terrific thank you Mona and I wish everyone uh, however you celebrate this next weekend if you do to enjoy the holidays so yeah thank you so
1: much Thank you. See you soon. Bye. Okay. Bye.